BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time with Ben Jarofsky show. As I speak, it is, what is, oh my God, Friday, January 5th, 2024. Uh, time waits for no one to quote uh, my, uh, the great Mick Jagger. All right. Uh, before I bring on my distinguished guest who's patiently waiting, let's talk about a headline that's in the paper. Actually, it's not today's paper. It is uh, what is it? it was, I guess it's Wednesday's paper. No, Thursday's paper. I've been holding on to this paper uh, for this conversation. So uh, uh, and I haven't even had this conversation about this particular topic, uh, as delightful as I find it. A headline in the uh, Sun-Times uh, from uh, Thursday has to do with an official painting, a portrait of Michael Joseph Madigan. You remember that name, ladies and gentlemen? We've talked about Michael Joseph Madigan on this show a few times. Uh, he's the former House Speaker, the all-powerful Democratic leader of the state legislature uh, from the southwest side of Chicago, a state representative. He got ensnared in, well, a corruption uh, accusation, accusation, indictment. He was indicted on corruption charges, effectively uh, having shaken down ComEd uh, in order to use his immense powers to pass a rate hike. Uh, I have argued, I, I tend to be a little weak. I'm just going to admit this to my distinguished guests, just so you know. Um, I am, <clears throat> I tend to fall on the forgiving Michael Joseph Madigan uh, side of things. And my lefty friends are just ridicule me about this uh, all the time. I must take their abuse. Um, I believe that Michael Joseph Madigan uh, was... Pretty worthless as, I don't have to put it mildly, uh, a champion of democratic ideals until 2000 and what was it, 14, when Bruce Rauner was elected uh, governor. And then he suddenly found his backbone and stood up on behalf of collective bargaining rights in the state of Illinois. And the bar is low, okay, when it comes to people taking strong stands in the face of MAGA, in the face of corporate Chicago, in the face of this, this relentless anti-union sentiment that always exists in our country. Uh, so anybody that stands up for the unions, I'm kind of a little sympathetic toward them. And uh, so I have some sympathy for Michael Joseph Madigan. Most of my lefty friends and allies just don't understand. 
and, and I'm subject to much ridicule. Uh, as such, I um, do not think the portrait, the official portrait of Michael Joseph Madigan should be removed uh, for many different reasons. One is I have that sympathy for him. Number two, uh, he has not been officially uh, convicted of anything. Uh, and number three, and this is perhaps my, uh, my, my strongest thought on this, it's historical record. Michael Joseph Madigan was a speaker. You may not like Michael Joseph Madigan. You may not like how he was the speaker. You may feel he's corrupt. You may feel he was too friendly with unions, but he was the speaker. And not taking his portrait down, like taking Blagos down, is like erasing history. It's like like not putting Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Hello, Pete Rose got more base hits than anyone else in the history of baseball. He belongs in the Hall of Fame. It's really weird. Put Michael Joseph Madigan, put his portrait in Springfield. Stop being crying about it. Some Republicans want to. They want to keep his portrait down. They want to pass a law that keeps his portrait down. All right. That's my thoughts on this topic. Without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, and then we're going to ask my distinguished guest to weigh in on this topic. Take it away, distinguished guest. Hi, I'm Ramana Hussein. Um, I'm a member of the editorial board and a columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes. And... She most definitely does not share my sympathy for Michael Joseph Madigan. Let's just get the record straight on that one. But does she share my attitude about keeping his portrait up? Ramana, the reason I'm asking you this question, putting you in the hot spot, is because you were the author of an ex excellent editorial, in my humble opinion, even though you didn't get any credit for it. Editorials do not uh, get bylines. Uh, by the way, are you for or against that? Before we get any further, um, I'm against it because I, I feel like it's on behalf of the paper, um, my editorials, my columns. Obviously, I want my name on them. Um, editorials are a little more. I mean, I'm not saying that I've ever written. I mean, in the past, I did a short stint on the editorial board in 2007. And I did once write an editorial on something I did not believe in at all. And someone told me it was just an exercise and like, you know, uh, just writing something that you don't really believe in. But I have to say, like, editorials, I, I guess, I'm not saying that you have to be a little more calmer about it than a column. But, you know, there's definitely editorials where I feel stronger about something. And then, you know, I can't certain, I can't say certain, I have to say it in a certain way. Or, you know, things are added and they're edited, not the way I would necessarily say it. But I'm usually in, in, well, since my like current stint on the editorial board, I usually agree with the editorial stances I take. But sometimes, you know, they may be edited to sound a little less like me, <laughs> less like me, and more like you know, as as we're supposed to be representing the paper. So right. maybe sometimes I sound a little radical. <laughs> so for you know what I mean, not radical, but you know what I mean. It's just more of my touch, and you know, there's I know you can tell sometimes Ben when I wrote something and people might know, like have read some of my, uh, some editorials that I've penned and somebody's like, oh, I can totally tell, I could totally tell that you wrote it. So, yeah. so I, I think it's good that our names are off of well, it. I'm not in favor of that. Okay. So just my record on Ramana Hussein uh, written editorials is about 90%. Uh, and uh, there's certain telltale uh, Ramana signs, you know what I'm saying? A little like, sometimes it's a snarky remark. Sometimes <laughs> it's a, a reference to uh, uh, 1990s culture or any culture, uh, pop, culture. Uh, pop culture. And I always oh, ask Romana, 
Uh, and um, but yeah, I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I'm just going to put this in re- you disagree with you want. Ramada is more to the left uh, than pretty much any edit, any editorial writer that I know in the city of Chicago. I'm just going to put that out there, other than me. Uh, and um, But when you're writing uh, editorials for the Chicago Sun-Times, you're representing the institution, and it's a much more centrist institution. And so uh, you have to draft in the voice with the worldview of that institution, that that's that's what an editorial writer does, correct? Yes. Um, could you imagine how horrible it would be to be an editorial writer for the Chicago Tribune? <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Just wow! Damn, a former torture. Uh, I can handle it for the Sun Times, but there is yeah. no way I could do it for Cranes or the Tribune or the Wall Street Journal. Or, God help us. The yeah, Wall and you know what? And and there's been times, very few times, where. Um, you know, there's an editorial stance we take and I totally disagree with it. Like I have, um, you know, I'll be like, I, I don't agree with it. And so I'd be like, I'm not the one writing this. That happened like once or twice. And it happened. Um, do I, I can even say it. Like, I don't have a problem with it. And it, it was just like, you know, a healthy debate we had. And I was working on a column anyway. But this is when um, Alderman Deborah Silverstein wanted to propose um she had a proposal for a resolution um, denouncing what happened on October 7th in the Middle East, which I didn't, I agree. I, you know, that's fine. But then she refused to include um, any sort of information about the casualties in um, the Gaza Strip. And so that was a debate back and forth. And remember, Ben, when, uh, you know, it was, there was a vote taken and it was like a non- like, I guess there was no sort of um, actual vote. It was like it was just a voice a, vote. Yeah, voice vote. <laughs> Thanks for So yeah. I, I, I remember we we um, took a stance saying that backing her um, stance. Yeah, no, I, I we talked and, about that. That was a big yeah, topic at the Bajorowski show. Oh, my God. That's like an example. Yeah. But usually like 99.9% of the times. And, and, and then there was, I shouldn't say I totally disagreed with it. I just didn't agree with the resolution. But there was there was like some lines put in there that were suggested by me, um, you know, that I, I think were important. And it wasn't like, yes, Deborah Silverstein, you're right about everything. But I disagreed with some of the. I disagreed with the spirit of the editorial. Okay. So I'm just saying that that's one example. I- I'm telling you right now, as a long, long, long time reader of the Chicago Sun-Times and subscriber, so I, I, sh- I have the right, Chicago Sun-Times, to weigh with my opinions about your paper because I'm literally holding you guys up, and you're welcome. All right, as a subscriber, I get the freaking newspaper. Exhibit A, Ramana, there's today's newspaper. So I get the newspaper. I pay an extra bounty. I don't have to. Most people get it for free on the Internet. I pay for it. So uh, I I just want to say this. You got to fix your website. It's horrible. That's number one. But that's not really what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say is your editorial page is so much better than it used to be. And I don't agree with absolutely everything that you guys put out there. Uh, Some of your, particularly on uh, some of some issue, there's no reason to go down this path right now. I just don't agree with everything. But you are so much better, in my humble opinion, than the 90s, which was an embarrassment, in my opinion. The 1990s on foreign policy and on city policy. Oh, Mr. Mayor Daly, we love you so much. Wait, come on, bend over again. And then you carry that over to Rob. So today's bright one, far superior 
editorial one. There, I had to say to get it off my chest. You, so, Ramona, you wouldn't last a day oh. on the editorial page oh, back in I, the 90s. I, I know that. You know, I have to tell you, when I started working at the Sun-Times, this was in 2001, I was told that I may want to stay clear of the editorial pages because they probably will not agree with it. And I just remember, like, I mean, I, I disagree with a lot of things that are news news outlets all over the place, but I remember I had to keep myself from reading the um, the editorial and opinion pages because we had, we had a lot of right-wing voices, um, our stance on the Middle East. I mean, I, I could have sworn I remember reading, like, you know, reading the way... Palestinians were described not that they're described so well in the media these days but I mean it was it was it was like I had to you know I was young and I had to stay away from it I wish I spoke up more and it, it was it was horrible so I, I think that I think that having a diverse editorial board um, really helps and you know and and I hope people who you know read our editorials realize that we don't always think about the same in many ways but we are a, a pretty, like, you know, we are, I, I think we all have a lot of different ideas, but I think our ideas or our editorials usually make sense. And a lot of people would agree with them. They're not like crazy left wing, you know, I mean, I'm not even saying crazy. I'm not saying left wing is crazy, but I've been called like, you know, left winger and like, you know, I, someone has called me a radical because, you know, we had a, we had a opinion writer about what's happening in India, which we'll, which we may touch upon. And, um, some right-wing Indians have tagged me or tweeted about me, and they they said this is the reason why certain editorials and op opinion page, you know pieces get put in the Sun Times. They said because they have a radical like Ramon Hussein on the editorial <laughs> board. So I'm just saying that you know, but yeah. you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of op eds that get in the paper that I'm just like, oh my god, I'm you know, I disagree with. You know, I've posted letters in in the Sun Times pages as long as they're factually correct, um, yeah. that are different than my opinion. So I know the opinion pages aren't supposed to have just certain one kind of opinion. So, but I know what you're saying when you're talking about opinion pages of the yesteryears at the Sun-Times. Oh, Absolutely awful. The Sun-Times yeah. editorials on the world, on the Olympics, awful. Absolutely. Oh, don't even get me started. I mean, just, uh, it was so centrist. It was just so pro-daily. It was just... I, this is the local stuff. I'm not even talking about Middle East or foreign issues. Oh, yeah. Foreign, I mean, yeah. Just, but much better now. So, okay, let's move on from that. All right. Yes or no? Me, did you want me to talk about the Madigan portrait? Yes. I, I feel just... we were on a tangent there. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I was going to say is I I get, okay, I'm not, I don't agree. The reason why, um, the main reason for me why I had a problem with the proposal, the, pro, the Madigan resolution was number one, Michael Madigan has not been, um, no matter what his reputation is, he has not been convicted of a crime yet. Number two, there's no picture of Michael Madigan yet. Portrait, yeah. In, yeah. in, in the Capitol, in the Springfield, yeah. um, you know, Capitol. So it's just like, and if you're going to, and then, you know, meanwhile, there's, you know, Governor George Ryan's picture, who he, you know, he is a convicted felon. There's two pictures of him. And one of the pictures that Dave McKinney, um, we worked off a story that WBZ's Dave McKinney wrote about. Um, this is where we got the story idea. He mentioned that the huge, huger, the bigger oil painting of George Ryan was paid for by taxpayers. So, and then there's no picture of Blagojevich at all. I know you said that there was a picture taken down. I don't think there was ever a picture of Blagojevich. So, one of the things that I kind of struggled with, because, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the past few years about whether there should be Columbus statues, um, 
whether there should be statues of, you know, Confederate um, soldiers or Confederate leaders. And, um, you know, I started thinking about it because Dennis Hastert's picture is taken down in uh, the Capitol in uh, D.C. And Nancy Pelosi had ordered former House speakers who work for the Confederacy. I think what you pointed out is good. I think there needs to be a uniform way if you don't want to have these people pictures. But I do think it's it's also important to note, as you said, that these people were part of history. And by taking away their picture, you are erasing history. So I think a good method is, and what we've talked about on the editorial board, if you're going to keep some statues of people who are controversial or who did things that were obviously very racist or, you know, sexist or were charged with wrongdoing or convicted of wrongdoing is to put something in there on the, you know, placard about it. So, you know, you could put a picture of Governor Blagojevich on there, but there should be some sort of mention about what happened. Right. I I, I think, I don't know if you have to put a long like essay. Well, okay. Now this is really, this is really interesting. And let's follow this. This is, okay. I find this interesting. Okay. So really what we're getting at is the difference between a, a, a record of history, which is just indicating that Rod Blagojevich in this particular case serve two terms as governor of Illinois, record of history, or an honorific. It's treated like an honorific right now. Like, in other words, they're paying honor to someone. And so when uh, Bruce Rauner, okay, Bruce Rauner has a portrait that hangs uh, in the state house. And when it was officially hung, he, re- he came back from Florida. I remember he got out of Illinois, showed his utter hatred for us. Uh, as soon as he lost, typical MAGA move, uh, went crying and ran to Ron DeSantis. Uh, and so he came back and it was like an honor. There were speeches made. You follow what I'm saying? So are we saying this is a, a, a portrait for honoring someone for their service? Or is it a portrait just officially recognizing that they held a position. And we first have to distinguish one from the other. Uh, I would argue, I could argue that we shouldn't have any portraits up there because, I don't know, like, what's the purpose? Are we saying that uh, Rod Blagojevich is as great a governor as, I don't know, uh, J.B. Pritzker? You know what I mean? Uh, you, you get what I'm saying? So uh, it, if you start putting like, uh, like captions on them, then you're really going to run into trouble. Oh, my God, Ramona. Could you just imagine uh, the fighting is, over the captions? That That is true. But I just think that it's something that a lot of people have been discussing. I mean, George Washington, you know, the teeth that he had in his uh, mouth, the false teeth, they were actually taken out of the mouth of a slave. You know what I mean? I just think it's good to, you know what I mean? Like this is a president of the United States. We've had a lot of problematic leaders. So I think it's a good point. But yeah, I mean, are you going to, every picture of George Washington, like, are you going to put about all the awful things that he did, you know, or the, you know, the things that were acceptable that are never should have been acceptable in the first place. So I hear what you're saying. I just think that there's a lot of debate and discussion these past few years about who we have elevated. And I think that's what you're pointing out with these portraits. It's like honor an honorary. And that's what, I guess that's what this honorary Madigan picture would be. It'd be a portrait honoring him. But yeah, I, I know, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he was such a fixture in Springfield. It'd be kind of weird not to have any. It's, yeah. It's, 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 maybe it doesn't have to be an oil painting. It could be like a regular picture, right? Or it could it's be. that you have to commission an oil painting, right? Or what you could do, if if it's not a person you want to honor, is make them look really bad. 
Like give Michael Madigan a pimple on his nose. There you go. That'll, yeah. That would not be well, could be thing. a caricature, right? Yeah. Car- <laughs> make, making him look horrible. No, I think you got to distinguish between like uh, a record of people who served in the position uh, and an honorific. And if it's just a record of people who've served as speakers, then you have to have them up there, ladies and gentlemen, because like it or not, he was a speaker, just like you have to have Blago up there, because like it or not, he was the governor. And for the record, Ramada, I voted for Blago. Yes, I did. I voted, <laughs> I voted for him. So in 2002, you probably voted for him too. Uh, yeah, I mean... You, do you Let's remember the 2000? Most likely I did. Most, I think I'm almost 99% sure that you voted for him in 2002 at the very least. All right. Uh, so that was, uh, we'll move on uh, from that topic. Uh, and uh, we'll move on to something that I, my listeners, I know, uh, really love when you address. And uh, so uh, Ramana Hussein uh, is Indian American and very proud of it. Uh, and as such, she has become our show's official analyst on Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, whether she likes it or not. Uh, you, you're you really the first person that brought um, the, the Chicago, the, the, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, to the attention of Chicago. I'll give you credit for that with your reporting uh, and your commentary on, on, on my show. Uh, and uh, since then, of course, um, they've gone on in the Republican presidential uh, primary and Nikki Haley. I used to like be a little more favorable to her than you were. I used to, I, I listen, you would be ripping her and, and critiquing her. Uh, but her response, I'm speechless. Her response to a, a, a question, I think it was in New Hampshire. We've talked about it a lot on the show regarding the origins of the Civil War was so cowardly. And so inaccurate. She was so afraid of upsetting MAGA uh, by saying that slavery was the reason the Confederacy bolted uh, from the United States, from the Union. Uh, she was particularly the, ens- the enslavement of black people. Let's just make that clear. Uh, she was so afraid of upsetting MAGA voters uh, that she left slavery out of the equation as to when asked what the roots of the Civil War were. And then uh, her backtracking has been even like. Uh, more embarrassing each day. Uh, and it just goes to show you uh, how uh, like brain dead uh, MAGA is when it comes to American history. And they just want to rewrite it uh, and turn it into a political tool. So the update on Nikki Haley uh, from Ramana Hussein. Go ahead. <laughs> it's not an update. It's more a critique of what type of Indian Americans get propelled or, you know, kind of uplifted in this country, whether it's the right, and I'm going to say whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans, it's always a certain type of Indian that gets to be on center stage. And I always say this started with Dinesh D'Souza, like he would be like the Indian that anybody would put on their shows or, you know, talk shows. And we'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's like a nut. You know what I mean? And we um, so Nikki Haley I know like a lot of people looked at her as, oh, she's the she's the sane Republican, you know, and she's like a good she's a better choice than Trump. 
But honestly, is she? I mean, if she is willing to go out there, and I remember, like, remember, like, a few years ago, like, I think it was 2014, 2015, before the Dylan Roof incident, where he walked into a, a church and, um, you know, sadly killed um, people, a, a people in a black church. I think it took that, like, she would be defending the Confederate flag for the longest time. And, you know, a lot of people are going to say, well, she's from, you know, South Carolina, she's going to do that. But I don't know. As a person of color, Indian American, I don't understand how you could sit there and defend it. And now it's like she's even gone like a step further by, you know, somebody's asking her how this, you know, how the Civil War started. I mean, even my um, like my 11 year old, my 12 year old, they're 11, I think my uh, twin nieces would tell you slavery. You know what I mean? And it's like, there's Republicans who've gone to Ivy League schools. They've gone to schools that I would never get accepted to. They're, they're obviously people who have some level of intelligence and that you would dumb yourself down to appeal to Americans. And, and it's like, I feel like this way with whether it's Democrats or Republicans, it's like you can't do the right thing or say the right thing because you want to appeal to a certain group, you know, and at a certain point, it gets really sad. And with Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, they have like two different. So Nikki Haley, a lot of Indian, you know, a lot of whenever I tell a white person, I, I remember one time it might have been at the hideout. I was talking this one after one of your and Mick's shows. I was talking to someone and I was like, well, you know, as an Indian American, I was talking about Nikki Haley. And this is when everybody loved Nikki Haley. These, these are the non-Indians. And somebody was like, Nikki Haley's Indian? And I was like, yeah. So a lot of people didn't even know Nikki Haley was Indian because for the longest time, you know, she's able to pass as white because she doesn't, you know, she kind of has like this ambiguous, like, look, like race. She's, she, she doesn't look like, you know, she's not as brown as I am or brown as Vivek Ramaswamy. So they kind of use, like, they both have kind of used their Indianness. Like Nikki Haley for the longest time would kind of passes white like she would say she was white you know and you know she obviously changed her last name um you know she took her husband's last name so it made it easier for her to pass as white it's only been recently that she has been using that whole daughter of immigrants story to um kind of put herself in the forefront now vivek ramaswamy looks like an indian like you know he looks like what more most people think of as indian but he likes to use his Indianness and how he looks to show MAGA and, you know, other, you know, right wing types that look, I look like a, I'm a brown man and I agree with you. And so they kind of both have their own shticks. And, and one of the sad things is a lot of people, you know, it's like we're so underrepresented in many spheres of society, but in the Republican candidacy circle, Indians are overrepresented. And then we have these two representing us. And it's like a lot of Indians are not happy with it. So like people think that we're all like excited about it. There's been some articles written about it, like how people, even though they don't agree with them politically, it shows that we've really made strides. But it's like, yeah, but what kind of Indian has been allowed to make such strides? Um, How many really radical left wing? There's no Indians on the squad. Okay, that should tell you something. Um, we have two Muslim women representing. So I can say that there's some women representing me on the squad, but you know, it's, it's like Indian Americans, not, I'm not, I'm taking my Muslim identity out of there. They are elevated because of the whole 
model minority myth. And in there are Indian Americans willing to take that myth, which is terrible, and play it to their advantage. And just kind of appeasing to a certain segment of society is is it's kind of dis- it's very disappointing. And Nikki Haley, like I never I never liked Nikki Haley. I never thought she was the the quote unquote good Republican. It was it was just um well, all right, take, something I never accepted. Do us a favor for a moment. Explain the model minority myth. So the model minority myth um, has been used for Asian Americans for a long time. And it's a myth that's very damaging because, um, you know, the, the stereotype is that Asians excel. Um, and, and a lot what happens is that Asians, you know, any sort of success that Asian Americans have. And one of the things, so the problem with the model minority myth is that it's been pushed by certain people saying that Asians excel. And so whenever there's like other people of color, um, especially black and Latinos um, and, you know, you know, the right wing Republicans or other people want to say like, hey, look at these Indians or look at these Asians. They've succeeded. And so you can do it, too. The problem is that the Asian American Asian American experience isn't that cut and dry. There's Indian people are just one group of Indian people. I mean, one group of Asian American people. There's a lot of Asian Americans from different parts of the country. The level of success varies. And to say that all Indian Americans or Chinese Americans are successful is just wrong. And it's usually used to create a wedge between Asians and black and other brown communities. So it's, it's, it's actually been very, very harmful and very damaging because what happens is a lot of people, and also a lot of people start thinking of Asian Americans as invisible. Like they don't really think of Asian. They're like, oh, you're just there. You just do whatever you just do whatever we tell you to do. And we you don't have any opinions or anything like that. So it's 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 very damaging in many ways. And a lot of people like especially older Americans that are like, why are you insulted when we call you a model minority? We're actually saying how hardworking and smart you are. But the thing is, that only tells like a story for some people, not everybody. And when it's used as a wedge, as I've described with affirmative action, it's actually very, very harmful. And it's also misleading because Asian Americans have been part of the civil rights movement for a long time. So a lot of people always try to make it seem like Asian Americans, we're more what, you know, we're more palatable to like white people. And I think it's very harmful. And definitely people have used that, you know, obviously Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy are using that to their advantage. But I think there's a lot of Asian Americans who are pushing back from the minor minority myth and pushing back from being, you know, the kind of, you know, South Asians or Asians like Vivek Ramaswamy or Nikki Haley. And Ben, I talked to you about this before. In America, Indians are considered good when they're not Indians like me, meaning Muslim, you know, and that's why a lot of policy um, that is harmful to Muslim Americans is in, in Indians overseas. Like, you know, Americans don't realize how damaging some of the things that we support are is because, hey, they think Muslim Indians are the bad ones or the crazy ones or the ones that you want to like get rid of. So it's it's been very harmful. I, I'm waiting for in 
an Indian Muslim to, there probably will be an Indian Muslim right winger at some point, like, you know, that's propelled. And because there are Indian, like, like politically, there are Indian, um, you know, obviously, um, there are Indian Muslim right wingers who have been propelled, like, you know, at least like pundits and things like that. I can give you a few names afterwards. Um, I can think of them. But um, I'm, I'm just waiting for an Indian lefty to take center stage in our, our international um, government soon, because I'm tired of, I'm so tired of the um, right wing Indians getting, a, a, getting, getting the spotlight on them. Yeah. Because that's not all we are and who we well, are. For what it's, there are a, a number of prominent Indian American uh, leftists in politics, uh, in academia, oh, no. oh. Uh, in the white house. Uh, and, but you're right. Th- th- right now, the, the most prominent, uh, faces for better or for worse of Indian Americans in politics uh, are Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy, who I, I believe are far outside of the mainstream or where most yeah. Indian American voters. Yeah. Are. And, and I'm not saying that there aren't, there's a lot of, there's a lot of lefty Indians because I know a lot of them, you know, just even locally, but I'm just saying that they never, they never, they will never ascend to the level of Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. That's my point. It's just like these, there are certain people who get elevated out of control. And, and these are the kind of Indians. And, did want to mention the vice president is also part South Asian too, Indian American. Yeah. Just want to say that too. Um, so yeah, I mean, but a lot of a lot of people, a lot of a lot of lefty Indians don't really don't really look at as Kamala Harris as you know as left as they'd like to hurt. Yeah, no, Kamala. That's a topic. We should t- a whole other topic. Yeah, the ridiculing of Kamala Harris uh, from all elements it seems uh political discourse um i find offensive on so many different levels Uh, and um she is just a classic mainstream politician of democratic party but the abuse she takes is far beyond that let's say of i don't know tim kane of virginia i just that's the first mainstream you know and it's just her it it gets it gets with what happened with the Harvard president, it, and the Harvard president to me, what happened with uh, Claudine Gay, which I've talked about a lot this week. I get your views on this. I think um, is black women in this country have become. It's it's like what do they always say? A dog whistle that MAGA has dog whistles, and it's just like just black women in power triggers MAGA. And so all you have to do is mention a, a prominent black woman who's not a right winger. Okay. It was, you know what I'm saying? Who's not uh, echoing Donald Trump. And that, that just MAGA hates it. Katanji Brown Jackson, who was uh, obviously this brilliant legal scholar elevated to the Supreme court, totally trashed by MAGA. It's just, she symbolizes something that just really riles MAGA. Do you follow yeah. what I'm saying? And it's the no, same thing sure. with Claudine Gay uh, at Harvard, the president, and Kamala Harris. It's just like, that's, they hate her so much. Uh, and then liberals and lefties in this country run away from her, abandon her. And I'm like, why are you, why are you leaving her out? Why, why you hate her so much? There's tons of moderate Democrats out there. I don't see you hating on, let's say, uh, Richard Durbin. Senator of Illinois, like you hate yeah, Kamala I can Harris. Tell you, 
Well, I can tell you that's because he's a white man. We have lower standards for white men. I mean, I'm just saying he's a South Asian. But no, no, I know what you're saying. I totally hear what you're saying. And MAGA, let's face it, was kind of created because there was a black man as president. You know, that I think that's part of the reason that. Kinda? No, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't well, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, like, I don't know what your theory is. That's why I was just like, but yeah, I mean, look at, look, I mean, this is a guy, Barack Hussein Obama, you know, he was, you know, he was a Muslim. That was like, you know, the slander against him. Right. And so that got, you know, just to show you like how Americans in this country, a lot of Americans are so scared for someone that doesn't look like, you know, a descendant of George Washington or whoever, Thomas Jefferson or whoever, whatever, you know what I mean? It's just like, it just shows you how, and you know, who doesn't have like a name and doesn't, you know, Barack Obama, I don't even think he's like that left anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, he's been, he's been, um, I criticized about his silence on Gaza. You know what I mean? So it's like, hello, you know what I mean? And it's like, they were so angry that, a black man was in the White House. You know, it was a black man with a name that wasn't, you know, that didn't sound quote unquote American to them. It's like they did everything in their power. You know, it's like Donald Trump was a, is a birther. You know what I mean? So it's like, ah, you know, it's, it's, it's out of control. So I totally hear what you're saying. It's um, yeah. So it's just kind of frustrating as a Indian American to see the kinds of Indians that get, to get that get the you know chance to do certain things and that get elevated in this country, so it's just very telling. And and it bothered me so much when so many people, you know, would be like, "Oh, but she's like better than Donald Trump." Okay, you know, I guess in some ways, but it's just like her comments on slavery and you know her backtracking, talking about how she has black he had black friends. It's just so embarrassing as a South Asian. Just saying. I still think she's better than Donald Trump. I'm going to say that. Uh, and uh, how do I put this? Uh, I, ha I admit the bar is very low. Talk about low bars. Uh, but Donald Trump did not recognize uh, that, we, that he exists in a democracy, uh, and he attempted to become emperor. Uh, and he initiated a, uh, an insurrection that was intended uh, to force, coerce Michael Pence, the vice president, uh, at the threat of his life, uh, into essentially giving Donald Trump, anointing Donald Trump as the winner of an election he lost. I don't think Nikki Haley would go that far. Okay, uh, Ramada, I admit the bar is low. Yeah, but I yeah. don't no, believe I, I hear what you're saying. Far. I hear what you're saying. But you know, whenever people would say like, oh, you know, I don't know. I felt like they were giving her too much credit. That's 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 all I'm saying. It's kind of like with you and Tulsi Gabbard. Oh. <laughs> okay, it's like you're acting like she was awesome, and you know we had to some some people had to set you straight with that oh one. Oh my god, did they ever? And by the way, in my defense, which I don't even know why I defend myself anymore in this issue because it's so funny. Uh, I really didn't know much about Tulsi Gabbard uh, and um, the former Democratic Congresswoman of Hawaii. Uh, who has, politically speaking, lost her mind, in my humble opinion, uh, and has drifted uh, to MAGA world. Uh, and so uh, it was, um, who was the first person that really uh, set me straight on this one? Uh, I, 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 I it, was a, it was another Indian American. Yeah, 
it, it wasn't uh, Samina, though. Um, no, it wasn't Samina. It was, uh, why am I forgetting her name? Amisha Patel. Yes, yes. And uh, God bless you, Amisha Patel. Uh, I've told this story before. Obviously, I've told it many times to Romana. It was, I was when I was on the radio station before they fired me for being too uh, liberal. Uh, and um, uh, there was a, uh, a caller uh, who was extolling the virtues of uh, Tulsi Gabbard. And, and then uh, I said, well, we got to go to break. When we come back, Amisha Patel will be with us. And we were in the studio alone. And the mic was off. And she just said, Ben, you really got to look into Tulsi Gabbard. She's not who you think she is. And God bless you, Misha Patel. I did the deep dive. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, Lord. And then Samina Mustafa and Ramana Hussein. Man, they doubled down with my education. So, yes, lefties in this country, you're not all perfect either, okay? I'm just saying, <laughs> you, you fell for Tulsi Gabbard. And Maga still loves her. Ramana, do you know she's still on Fox? They drag her on out there, you know, like she has any credibility at all anymore. So, uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to the next topic that I'm... Um, Love to hear your thoughts on. Would love if you wrote a comment about this. I don't know if you will. Uh, the Epstein list, which is a great, uh, I have to give them a great, great public relations coup by MAGA uh, to give for so much attention into the releasing of documents that have been previously uh, shielded, uh, having to do with Jeffrey Epstein and the litigation against him. I don't know why they were ever shielded in the first place. I don't know why. Ha- 99.9% of the documents that are shielded from us, Ramada, are shielded. It's ridiculous, absurd. It's supposedly a free country where we keep information for people. But anyway, they were shielded. They finally let go. MAGA turned this into, they're going to unveil the list. And so this was a list of clients of Jeffrey Epstein. And then MAGA went, took it one step further, and they started predicting who would be on this non-existent list. There was no list. It's not a list. It's just a treasure trove of documents. So, and it's brilliant because all of a sudden everybody started talking about it as the Epstein list. Even like MSNBC is talking about the Epstein. They totally maga gaslit MSNBC, and uh, and uh, your your favorite football player Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> uh, just teasing. Uh, we'll talk about him too. Uh, then got in the, involved by predicting uh, that uh, Jimmy Kimmel would be on the list. Then Jimmy Kimmel responded by saying. I'll, I'll see you in court. I'm not going to be on that list. I have nothing to do with you. There's no list. <laughs> they're they're probably talking about. They're, I think they're talking when they say list. I think they're talking about the airplane log, right? And Ben, you and I, when the Jeffrey Epstein shows came out in 2021, you and I kind of devoured those and uh, watched them all. So we know about all about the list. So, or quote unquote list or the plane logs. That's what it yeah. was. I think that's what they mean when they mean that. And plane logs don't mean anything, but I mean, they're, I mean, it's very damning if you're on there. But if, if MAGA is all excited about, you know, Bill Clinton being on this list, I mean, Donald Trump, there's a lot of pictures of Jeffrey Epstein partying with Donald Trump. So, or videos of him with Jeffrey Epstein. So it's not like there's a shortage of any sort of information that links, you know, Donald Trump to Jeffrey Epstein. And again, the, the um, if anybody has paid attention to the, you know, what Jeffrey Epstein was convicted for, it's like disgusting. You know, like when you and I watched, um, you know, it was like trafficking of girls and grooming them. And, his, you know, Jeffrey Epstein and his girlfriend would, uh, you know, 
coerce these girls into, you know, doing, you know, sexual things. And they're underage, a lot of these girls with these like powerful men. And it, it, it was, kind of, it, it was, it's really disgusting. And I mean, I guess the, one of the names I have to say when the list came out or not the list, but whatever came out this week was that Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking's was on there. And then like, I guess Jeffrey Epstein's estate was ADA compliant. And so like, there's been a lot of jokes about that. But yeah, the Jimmy Kimmel and the Aaron Rodgers things, I know Ben, you, you and I talked about it and you asked me what team Aaron Rodgers was on. And and I did know what team he was on. And I told Ben, the only reason I know who Aaron Rodgers is, is because he's dated um, a lot of famous <laughs> actresses. <laughs> well, you knew and, what team he was was on. I don't know if you currently well, know. Yeah, he's not. He's not. And he's not any on the Green Bay Packers anymore. That is correct. correct. Yes. yes. What team is he on now? See, I don't know. But I'm saying the the reason I know is similar to the reason why people know the football player that the name of the football player Taylor Swift is dating is it's because because we know that, you know, oh, they dated this guy dated like this famous actress. or yes. something like that. All right. So um, now we moved on to this other topic that I want to talk about. By the way, breaking news. Uh, thank you, listener Frank, for sending this to me. Breaking news. The U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to take up the case, which will decide if Donald Trump is disqualified They'll come from the Colorado primary ballot. We all we, we, we all knew they had to take on that case yeah. because uh, and they have to get to it fast because uh, ballots have to go out. Elections have to be held. There's a deadline uh, that uh, we're ticking down toward. Uh, and if the Supreme Court is going to rule that Donald Trump uh, is ineligible to run for president because he participated in insurrection against the federal government, then they have to make that decision uh, real soon. So that just broke. Uh, I personally do not think in a million years the Supremes will kick Donald Trump no. off the ballot, uh, even though I believe they should. But neither here nor there. All right. Um, so this the, the Aaron Rodgers thinks it's interesting. I'm obsessed with sports. You know that. I watch it. Uh, I follow it. Um, and I talk about it a lot. But I also realize, <laughs> uh, well, I live in a world where uh, millions and millions of people do not, to put it mildly, share my obsession, including the woman I've been married to uh, since the 80s. Okay? She doesn't know anything about sports is oblivious to it. So I realize there's a lot of people out there who don't know about sport, but I always find it fascinating, Romana, that like, how could I and people like me know so much about sports? And yet at the same time, we're coexisting with people who know nothing about sports. And so for instance, right now there's a name in the news in Chicago that has been on the front sports page of the Chicago Sun Times for Days and days and days. It's the first item on every sports cast uh, on uh, TV, and that is Justin Fields. And I've been asking non-sports fans this question. Do you know who Justin Fields is? Overwhelming no res a response of no. I was at a restaurant with my wife the other night. I asked the waiter, nothing wrong. There's no right answer. There's no wrong answer to this. Do you know who Justin Fields is? And he said, no. I'm like, whoa, man, how could this, how can it exist in a universe where I know so much and they don't know? Go ahead, answer that. Well, okay, I have this like back and forth arguing with my husband for like years and years. I told him, no, I go, a lot of people don't care about football. And he's like, 
you know, shocked by that too, because his whole family, like they live and breathe and eat college football. <laughs> and I just don't get it. It's a culture. I did not care. If, I, you know, I told him, I'm like, listen, I grew up in the Chicago area. We had a lot more things going on than watching football. I think they recently, I think the Washington Post recently had an article about um, who, like what part of the country cares about football. <laughs> <laughs> it's very telling. It's very the places where MAGA is very popular is um is where football is kind of you know people care about football more in those. Wait, kind come of on, college football or pro football? I, or both? I, I think it was just pro football, or just kind of like talking about who plays football, who cares about football. Like Ben, you grew up, you went to high school in Evanston. Like there was no like I I went to high school in Skokie. I mean. People, you know, in the 80s, it was like a big deal to be a football player. I'm not saying that, you know, and it still is, I'm sure. But I kind of feel like it's lost its cachet. Like, you know, you look at it like, a, you know, Friday Night Lights. Like, I never was part of, I never went to a football game when I was in, in high school. And I never went to a football ga- game when I was in college either. And, you know, my husband, meanwhile, has, you know, season tickets to Northwestern and, <laughs> And he's like watching it. And then he told me that he like he has to watch Bears games because that's all people talk about in the city. And I'm like, I was born in Chicago. I don't even care about the Bears. The only team, the only Bears players, like the most Bears players I know from are from the 85 Bears. Like I know this. I bought the Super Bowl shuffle. I was all into that. And, you know, I obviously know who some of the players are, but. I, I am a I work for the Sun Times and I know the Bears are always on the front page, but I'm telling you, I don't pay attention to it. I'm able to I'm able to ignore it because I don't really care. No, there, you have a reaction, and uh, my wife has a reaction. Obviously, the waiter at this restaurant has the reaction. Many many people I know have this reaction. The reaction is when you are exposed to information about sports, be it a headline, be it a photograph. Uh, you just block it out. It does not. It does not enter your brain. It, your brain just turns it off and exactly. moves on to the next thing. It's just instinctive. It happens, and so you will. You've been exposed to Justin Fields' photograph. You've been bombarded with the image, and yet it has not entered your brain because you just, yeah and that's just... fine that's fine I, there's a lot of things that my husband does not pay attention to at all and it's all over the place you know and <laughs> i'm like oh did you hear about what you know kim kardashian did or like whatever and he has no idea what i'm talking about like he he doesn't know like a lot about pop culture and it's like it doesn't matter how many you know it's like unless that person is like everywhere he'll know who taylor swift is he obviously listens to music so he knows a lot about music but there's a lot of people that I know that I pay attention to celebrities and he has no idea who they are. So I have to tell him when we're watching a movie, I'll be like, Oh, that's so-and-so yeah. or, you know, he, you know, I, I have to tell him who's canceled. Like he's, he'll like, he'll be like waxing the nostalgia about some like actor and how much he loves them and you know, how <laughs> awesome they are. And I'm like, Oh, you know, they did, they did this and they think this. And then he's like, what? And you know, it's like, he had no idea. And then, and they're kind of like really terrible things. And he's like, I had no idea. So I'm just saying it depends on what you're interested in. I think a lot of men, heterosexual men think like just because they like football, everybody has to like football like they do. And and they don't get like, you know, it's like my 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 husband doesn't get why I don't like he he understands why I don't like football, but he I feel like he's sad that I don't like football. And he's like 
can't understand why <laughs> no. I don't want to go to a football game. Like he's, he's like sad about it. And he always tells me, he's like, Oh, we have to go to university of Michigan, like university of Michigan, I guess won some sort of football game a few days ago. And like, Wow. I don't know. He was like, he doesn't even like University of Michigan, but he's like, you know, somebody, somebody on the team said something like, yeah, this is for the people in Michigan. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, so what am I supposed to do about it? Like, he's telling me about it. He's watching the background. And I'm sorry, I don't care. But if I did that same thing with something that I liked and he had no like interest in, interest in, he'll be like looking at me and he'll be like, okay, next pass. Like, he's not going to watch the Academy Awards with me. And he always tells me to lower the volume when I'm watching it. Oh, so it's like, yeah. it's like uh, I, I just think, I think men, like yeah. certain men, like think that everybody has to like football just because they do. L- listen, Michael Jordan is like someone that everybody knows. Muhammad Ali is someone everybody knows. And that's like, I would think, I would think that if someone didn't know who Michael Jordan was, I'd be shocked. Well, and, my, I think yeah. a lot of people, and a lot of people know who Walter Payton is. And Justin Fields, I'm sure he's great. I'm sure people know who he is. I know who Mike Ditka is. I know who Dick Butkus was. You know, and it's not like I don't, Brian Urlacher, I know all these guys. But I'm just saying that, I just think that men think that all women should be like liking the same things they do. And we don't. And they can't grasp that. I think that's the problem. Men can't grasp that we don't have the same interests as men do. And then, you know, men who like women who like football, they're like, oh, you know, they're so cool. And that's fine. I have female friends who like football, too. But it's like, why are the women who like the same thing you do cool and the rest of us not cool? You know, so I'm just saying it's it's a it's a man it's a very heterosexual man thing uh i i can't disagree with you uh and i must say this uh about my dear friend mcduck dumkey who i love very uh so much this guy is always michigan this michigan that he couldn't yes. wait to get out of michigan okay i'm like oh i love michigan the berries are better in michigan everything's good about michigan the tomatoes unbelievable in michigan Hey, Mick, you don't live in Michigan, okay? Exactly. I say the same thing. Michigan. And I told him, I'm like, I can't tell the difference between a Michigan apple and a Chicago uh, apple I got from Jewel, okay? You know so, who else can't tell the difference? Mick Dumpke. Give him a blindfold <laughs> test. He would flunk that blindfold. No I doubt know. in my mind. No, I don't know what it is. I never met this before because I'm very, like, you know, I'm a very Chicago-centric and, like, okay, North Shore-centric person. I've never met people, you know, I never knew there was this like whole thing. I didn't know Michigan people were so into Michigan. I mean, it's, I, I told him, I'm like, if Michigan's so great, why aren't you still there? <laughs> and he's like, he's like, well, we don't have the same opportunities aren't available. Oh, like, well, all I'm saying opportunities is in Michigan, you don't want to live there. I'll take, um, I'll take Chicago over Michigan any day. That's all I'm saying. All right. Uh, we about run out of time. Uh, and uh, that is hilarious. And by the way, Mick was supposed to be over uh, football. Uh, but I've noticed he's been kind of creeping back uh, to football uh, more and more. And I will, for the record, be rooting for Michigan. Uh, the game that uh, Romano alluded to is they won the Rose Bowl. Uh, it was a great oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. And I don't know what kind of bowl it was. You know what? And I was, okay, just so you know, um, this is a classic Betty J moment. I happened to be visiting my kids in, in Cali. Uh, over Christmas, and uh, I was coming home. My wife and I were coming home on uh, New Year's. Uh, was it New Year's? No, it was New Year's Day. New Year's Day, and so the the airport was crawling with Michigan fans. All these Michigan because the the Rose Bowls played in Pasadena, California, which is right outside of L.A., and so they were flying back to Chicago. Ramada, you never saw so many <laughs> Michigan fans. 
And I, I was just having a field. They go, big day for Michigan and Arbor. And they were like, yeah, man. But they were all, by then they were really tired because they'd gone through a long day of football, yelling and cheering. You know what I'm saying? And they were kind of, yeah. they just kind uh, the of. One, the one thing I do know about University of Michigan, like when I saw who the coach was, I remember him being on the Bears, Jim Harbaugh. So, see, I you do know, know about football. I'm just going to say this about Ramana saying her knowledge of football is extraordinary, <laughs> okay? Uh, and think about all the names she's dropped. Dick Buck is Brian Erlocker, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh. You know what? Let's do a podcast. Uh, both of us will close with a recommendation, two thumbs up uh, for the holdovers. Oh, great Great movie. flick, right? We both yes. recommend it. Yes, uh, uh, I think it was. I think it's one of those movies where Mick and I both saw it, and we both liked it the same amount. Usually, we watch a movie together, and one of us will be like, <laughs> one of us liked it less than the other, or I, I'll, you know, I'll have critiques about it, or he'll have critiques about it. But we both left the theater saying that it was really good. I thought, I thought um, the movie did a great job. Paul Giamatti is great. The lead um, character, who I'm sorry, I should know his name, but the best part about him is the reason why I don't know his name is because he's a new coming actor, uh, upcoming actor who hasn't had a big name. And he, 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 I mean, I, he looks young. All the boys in the movie look like real teenagers. Yeah. It, it just really captured a great moment in time. I know it's stuck in the seventies, but I think it's, it's a, it's some it's a universal theme. And I do want to watch American Fiction, which I know you really liked. Um, oh, yeah, great. I like. hope to see that this weekend. There's a lot of recommendations I have, but The Holdovers, definitely. I think it's a movie that a lot of people, a lot of my friends, even if they disagree, even if they have different movie tastes, I think most people would like it. It's like it's it's like Dead Poet Society, but a little with an edge to yeah. it. Uh, yeah, and uh, his name is Dominic Sessa. Uh, yeah, he's great, a, actor, great actor, great actor, great young actor, and uh, best of all, I know Romana's going to agree with me. Somehow or other, they managed to make this movie uh, about <laughs> Americans without having any Brits in it. How about that? Wow! I uh, bet if you look at the cast, you might find a Brit. No, I'm sure. <laughs> having said that, <laughs> having said that, uh, yes, and go see. We'll talk about American fiction, and when you're done with this, read the book. Uh, I've talked about it before. Percival Edward Everett. Um, I think he's probably the how do I want to say this? He's absolutely brilliant. That's all I can say. A, a novelist who his, his range, Ramana, like this man has written every conceivable kind of novel, like uh, really like dark satirical uh, works to um, like horror works to uh, like Westerns. I don't know. This man's brilliant. His name is Percival Everett, and he is uh, American fiction's based on a book he wrote called Erasure. So when you're done with the movie, go read the book. Uh, so when that's your assignment. Uh, in fact, I should just send you the book as appreciation present for being such a great guest on my show. So that's what I'm going to do. Make a mental note. Uh, all right, Ramana, we've run out of time. Thank you much, uh, so much for coming on the show. Thank uh, you for having me. Yeah, and do you know what your column is? Your next column, or it hasn't occurred to you? No, yet? well, I only have two more weeks, so I have a little time. But okay. uh, maybe you'll uh, be on Nikki Haley. Wow, that would be awesome. <laughs> Since I already did one on Vivek, uh, you should do one on Nikki Haley and slavery. Yeah, no, that's wild. Wow, like <laughs> that. 
you know, um, my, my, uh, my editor, my boss, Lorraine Forte, she, she loved the um, one I did on Vivek Ramaswamy. She's like, can't, she always tells me like once in a while, she goes, can you find another way to write about Vivek Ramaswamy again? And um, I have to tell you, Lee Bay was the one who, I remember we got an email from, for Vivek Ramaswamy in May when I did an art um, piece about him and how he showed up in Chicago about the, you know, the migration situation and how like certain communities in the, on the South side were against it. And we saw an email bottom and Lee and Lee wrote something in response to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was a week I had to do a column. And I'm like, this sounds like a great column. No, it's a great column. Go back and read that one, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's uh, Ramana interviewed him and he pronounced uh, uh, Devon Devon. And uh, which, of course, uh, Chicagoans. Well, that that violates Chicago's view of things. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and one of my, one of my South Asian yeah. friends who works for the Associated Press goes, did he really say that? And she goes, that's enough to take away his South Asian card. <laughs> so. Yeah. Devon Devon. Uh, all right. Very good. Thank you very much, Ramana Hussein. Uh, it's always a blast talking to you. Uh, and uh, thank you very much. DJ Nate doing a great job producing. I'm Ben Drosky. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.